It's McCowan. It's Shannon with you for this, um, whatever day of the week it is. I don't even know anymore. It's uh, the Bob McCowan podcast. I'm not and helping you today on, on that stuff. You got to remember it? It's yourself. Wednesday, isn't it? Something yes. like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, now, I will. I haven't mentioned this to Shannon, so I will mention it to him in front of the audience that I'm battling a cold. No, we knew, I noticed yesterday, so it's okay. And so, um, well, it's progressed. It's not getting any better. But I, I'm not worried today because you won't have to talk very much. Well, no, I assume you will do most of the talking. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, our guests will do most of the talking. <laughs> but I, um, at the risk of um, my voice breaking down completely, I wanted to discuss a little bit the Zegras Milano goal that is getting lots of attention in the hockey world and um, perhaps elsewhere. And look, I, it's pretty neat. Now, you know, guy flipping the puck onto his, onto his stick for the wraparound lacrosse-like goal is not new. No. But to flip it in front of the net and have another player bat it out of the air and into the goal, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But I'm, I'm driving around this morning because I, as you know, John, I have things to do. Aaron's. Do they serve breakfast at Burger King? <laughs> I, I believe they do, actually. I, I have not partaken, but I believe they do. Thank you for mentioning that. And, um, and so I heard a conversation on one of the uh, Toronto radio stations okay. about this goal and the reaction that it got. Apparently, that was mentioned on Good Morning America, uh, was shown on, of course, on ESPN and various other places. And the two children who are doing the show um, both decided that this was the kind of thing that will make thousands of Americans hockey fans all of a sudden. Uh, I have heard this nonsense from young people who managed to get into the broadcasting industry, and in most cases for reasons that I cannot explain, um, and are complete hockey pucks who know nothing but hockey, care nothing about anything but hockey, and seem somehow puzzled that the rest of the world doesn't look at it the way Canadians do. Well, here's a little information for them, and you will attest to this. Hockey has consistently been on network television in the United States for about 60 years. Yes. The early 1960s, mm-hmm. when I believe CBS... CBS, yes. CBS carried, was- carried hockey yeah. games. You're right. 60 years. This is not a game that Americans don't know this is not a game that americans haven't heard of what it is is a game that americans as a whole don't love the way they love basketball baseball and football Mm -hmm. and never will be never ever will be this is no condemnation on my part of the sport of hockey that people in this country love it more than anywhere else in the world is fine with me it makes some sense it's a sport that's literally indigenous to, to us and our culture here north of the 49th parallel. But mm-hmm. it is not in America, and it is not going to be in America. And as good a goal as this goal was, it will have no impact on how many people watch a hockey game tonight or tomorrow or the next night in America. So <laughs> get off that bandwagon. I've been listening to this for decades and I'm tired of it. Either hire somebody with some experience or somebody with some smarts 
instead of the smart-nosed pukes that are out there now spewing this nonsense. End of speech. How are you? Excellent what? speech, Robert. Excellent well, speech. Well, as a hockey puck, I'm, I'm a little surprised you're not arguing with me. No, I actually, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much on the outside looking in on this one. I think the play is illegal. I think it should be deemed to be illegal. I don't think you buy a hockey stick to make it a scoop. I don't like the lacrosse style goal. I think what is stopping you with all your great skating talent to picking the puck up on the, on the blade of your stick and trying to skate it all the way down the ice without stick handling. Stick handling is the art. Putting it on your stick and skating it down the ice like you're serving wine is not the art of hockey. And people are going to think I'm nuts, but I, I don't. Be the I, first time. I know, but I, I've had this argument with people in the NHL office. I've had it with friends who are in the media. I think those types of plays where you put the puck on your stick and carry it, what's the difference between that and putting it in your hand? And the answer is nothing. And right. I think it should be made illegal. And everybody's too afraid to make it illegal because they think it's creativity. So you think players should be called for traveling? Almost. Almost. <laughs> Why not? Why not? You know, anyway, so that's just my take on that. Well, I don't and I get I, I get railed on it all the time. So. Well, I'm and, not going to rail you're, on you're, it because I don't really care. But I know your, your point about it, it it's, it, listen, it, was it fun to see? It's it's something the kid, those two kids, Zegris and Milano, have probably practiced uh, at, at the pond, and, and 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 they had fun with it, and it got and it happened. So it was. But I it think was it should fun be to watch. It was an exciting play, but the notion that it somehow because it got attention in America is going to change the viewing well, habits of three hundred million people is stupid. So people stop being stupid. Why do you think it was on Good Morning America, Bob? Pardon me? Why do you think it was on Good Morning America? Apparently it was. That's what that's what well, no, what, what, it, it was because who do you who owns the who owns the rights to hockey in the United States? ESPN, right? who ABC owns ESPN or Disney Bingo. owns both of them. Bingo. That's Whatever. why. If I, if, if John, I, I didn't I see it on I didn't see it on the Today show. Well, no. And when was the last time any hockey was shown on gma i don't i don't i don't know <laughs> probably the last time espn had the rights which yeah, was maybe. how long ago when when did they give up the rights a decade ago oh and well before the before the work stoppage in 2004 so 2003 that long like so yeah. almost 20 years i i didn't know if almost, it was 10 yeah long time yeah yeah, yeah. almost 20 years so. anyway i got that off my chest good you feel better no, I don't feel the least bit better. Oh, but I am. I am sucking on something, John. <laughs> we got to get them as a sponsor. Then that's what we got to do. Get the get the people on. Get our people on that. Well, uh, our people need to talk to their people, I guess. Okay. Um, we are going to be joined by um, well, one of our confreres. Mm -hmm. You work with them much? A little? Olympics? <laughs> not no, really. We, we, not really. Not really. We didn't. We didn't. We, we were we were in the same office for many, many years. We sat in each other's office many, many times and laughed a lot. Uh, we had a lot of mutual friends, but I don't think I ever really did an event with him. Well, our guest has just retired from the broadcasting world. And 
I assume he's not on the line now, so he can't listen into what, what I'm about to say. Okay. But here's what I guarantee you quietly. At some point in this discussion, he will raise the fact that the first ever round table done on primetime sports was done after the Ben Johnson dubbing inquiry thing mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. And it was done as a kind of a spur of the moment. Let's four of us sit around and, and chat. And the round table so became a key part of that program. That was you, him, Wayne Parrish, and Wilbur. Bill Waters? Yeah. Bill Waters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it comes up in conversation almost every time I talk to him, whether it's on the air or on the phone. So as we go through this conversation, I will not raise the topic. Okay. What do you want to bet he does? I, I, I am not going to bet because I know you're right. So anyway, he's a, he's a great man, though. He's a great man. Done, he's done lots for our country in the, in the media world. So I'm looking forward to talking to him. Here, here. Brian Williams, now formerly of CBC and TSN and CTV. wherever else, CTV. Uh, but now, allegedly retired. Uh, Brian Williams will join us when we come back after these messages. Well, it seems like he's been around since the beginning of television. He may have even invented television. Uh, Brian Williams is, uh, announced his retirement, uh, which I am shocked at. Um, I didn't think that, if that would ever happen. I, I just figured he'd keep going uh, till the end of time. So I don't know whether to say condolences, congratulations, or... Just how are you? Bob, I'm fine. Good to be with you. Good to be with uh, John Shannon. Uh, this is the right time. I mean, I signed with Chum and the late great Dick Smythe back in September of 1970. And if Dick had said to me, you're going to work for 50 years nonstop in this business, I would have said, work? Heck, I want to live for another 50 years. So it's the mm -hmm. right time. Uh, I've worked 50 years. Uh, it's the right time just to take it easy and enjoy life. Well, what's the motivation, though? What's the motivation for right now, Brian? Well, as I say, I, when I was going to work 50 years, uh, I thought, wow, if I ever get there. And uh, TSN uh, extended my contract to, uh, to include 50 years. And we were going to announce it last year at the Grey Cup. But uh, the Grey Cup was canceled in Regina. And then uh, we had the COVID and uh, everything was a mess. And so finally they said, look, can we hang on and we'll do it before the Great Cup in Hamilton, which is uh, coming up Sunday, December the 12th. And uh, so we said, fine, that's the way we'll do it. And one of the reasons uh, they're gonna interview me or going to interview me on Sunday is the Great Cup is being played at Tim Horton Stadium. It's the first ever Great Cup in that stadium, which by the way, faces North and South. The old stadium, Ivor Wynn or Civic Stadium first, then Ivor Wynn, who was the athletic director at McMaster, it faced east and west. And quite often, I can remember games there in the evening when the sun was in receiver's eyes. But uh, there were two Grey Cups played there, and I'm the only person, I think, working at uh, TSN that was about those games. In 1972, I was working yeah. as for Chum, and that was Hamilton, led by the great Chuck Ely from the University of Toledo, defeating Ronnie Lancaster and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders by a score of 13 to 10. That was 1972. 
then in 1996, I can remember sitting, and again, that stadium faced east and west, I can remember sitting with Stephen Brunt, then with the Globe and Mail in the southwest corner, and that was the Flutie fumble year. It was a blizzard, a snowstorm, and the Toronto Argonauts quarterback by Doug Flutie defeated the Edmonton Eskimos, and it's interesting, uh, the Eskimos were coached by none other than a, a late good friend, the great Ron Lancaster. Don Matthews was coaching the Toronto Argonauts, so uh, I have a relationship with the old stadium and with that area, so it all made sense. So, Brian, well, first of all, you're a Ham you went to high school in Hamilton, as I, as I recall, too. The, uh, the, the one thing, if, if, if I asked you what would you be remembered by for sports fans in our country? Would it be CFL? Would it, I would have to think you'd believe it was the Olympics, correct? I think it would, uh, it would definitely be the Olympics. The Olympics is the biggest sporting event in the world. It has changed dramatically since the modern games began in the Stadium of Marble in Athens in 1996. Now professionals are there. You know, people want to see the best. It's uh, developed into the ultimate of world championships, but it's such a big event. You know, guys, when I used to do Olympics, what surprised me when I first started was the male, the phone calls I would get from people, men and women, young and old, that would say, we're not sports fans. We don't watch sports on a regular basis, but we're glued to the Olympics day and night. There's a very special appeal to the Olympics. Memory serves me, 1976, you did weightlifting? I did weightlifting. I remember Vasily Alexiev, the great big soldier <laughs> heavyweight. I did weightlifting. That was my first Olympics. I've done 14 Olympics. I've hosted 12. Two I did not host. The first was Montreal in 1976. Did weightlifting with Aldo Roy at the San Michel Arena in Montreal. And the second I did not uh, host was Sarajevo, the Winter Games in 1984. Uh, I worked with uh, Ken Reed. Ken Reed and I had done World Cup skiing for many, many years. So we did the uh, downhill skiing at, uh, I believe it was called Belishnitsa. And uh, boy, the snow delays day after day after day. But although I didn't do these particular sports, I was fortunate in 1984 to see Jane Torvald and Christopher Dean skate to Bolero, considered one of the greatest skates Ever. I also saw Gaetan Boucher win a couple of uh, gold medals in speed skating. And when I was doing Vancouver and watched uh, Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer's spectacular performance, I was able to relate it back to Torval and Dean and say it's the best skate I've seen since Bolero in 1984 in Sarajevo. So I've done exactly one Olympic Games, and that was Vancouver. Um, Shannon has done how many, John? Half dozen? Seven. Seven. Seven? And now you 14. So right. I'm the real rookie when it comes to Olympic games, but you were on prime time. Um, and I'm wondering how many events you actually went to or saw in person, how much, and how much of it was either in your hotel room during downtime or um, on a monitor in the studio. No, oh, I watched it from the studio. Uh, when you're hosting, you, you have a studio, you're in the city. It's important to be in the city because you exactly. pick uh, enthusiasm, you know, the, the vibe, the feeling. So that's where I did it. Uh, you know, whether it was uh, the first gold by uh, or gold medal on Canadian soil by a Canadian Alex Bildado on a Sunday night, or whether it was uh, the final uh, medal, the golden goal is uh, called by 
Chris Cuthbert, uh, the last event at, uh, at the Olympics. But uh, no, I do watch them from the studio, but uh, I'm very much involved. And the great thing about the studio guys is that when we have an Olympic studio, we got monitors all over the place. I can not only pay attention to where we're going or what, we, what we're doing, I can watch other events. You know, in Vancouver, I could watch what was happening up at Whistler. You can watch what's happening in the arena. So it's, uh, it's the Olympics are, uh, you know, you're going all the time. It's, it's all about preparation. And uh, the great appeal of the Olympics is you don't go to a bar on Saturday afternoon to watch Skeleton. I think it was last competed in Vancouver in 1948 at San Moritz, Switzerland. But in Vancouver, Skeleton came back and it was John Montgomery from Southern Manitoba. They got those big mountains in Manitoba. That's where you learn to come down in Skeleton. I always kid him about that. But it was John Montgomery that became a national hero, subsequently uh, quite a TV star. But remember after his gold medal, uh, he had the pitcher of beer in his hand and he walked through uh, the crowds at Whistler. Oh, yeah. so that uh, Vermont or that uh, skeleton gold medal attracted a huge, huge audience. But I say it's not a sport. You go down to a bar to watch on a Saturday afternoon. So that speaks to the universal appeal of the Olympics. Who inspired you, Brian? I, when I first started in radio in 1970, and I have a picture of him right here, was uh, sitting in Toronto. I introduced him and we're holding, or he's holding Sports Illustrated with his picture on the front. That would be the great Howard Cosell, but he was my hero once I'd started. But I guess I would say when, when I lived in Edmonton, grade eight, uh, Don Chevrier, great play-by-play announcer at CBC, was working for CJCA Radio in Edmonton. And I can remember... Uh, talking to him or seeing him at, I think it was the Edmonton exhibition or fairgrounds of some kind. When I was in grade six and seven, it was in New Haven, Connecticut. I was born in Winnipeg. My dad went to medical school there. He was a doctor, a country doctor in Invermere, British Columbia, then went into administration, went to back to university, went to Yale. And while in Connecticut, I listened to New York and New Haven radio. And I can remember listening to Don Larson's perfect game for the New York Yankees. That's what really inspired me to work in sports. I was 11 or 12 years old, so I'm fortunate to say that I did what I wanted to do or what I had wanted to do since I was very young. You've done so many different things, obviously, over the course of his career, over the course of your career. Right. What haven't you done? What did you miss? What, what would you have done if you had had the opportunity but didn't? I don't know. I've been so fortunate. I mean, I, I worked Formula One racing, with the great Jackie Stewart. Uh, I remember Denny Harvey, who was the head of CBC, said, you're going to do Formula One. And I said, I know nothing about Formula One. And just a bunch of cars going around and around, not totally around, but uh, different uh, shaped courses. And he said, no, you will do it because you do homework and you do preparation. So I studied and studied and studied. And I worked with Jackie. It was in the Detroit Grand Prix. Detroit actually had a Formula One race. It was there one year. Then they began getting the IndyCar races, but uh, Jackie Stewart and I did the, uh, the Detroit Grand Prix and working with Jackie was, uh, was a distinct pleasure. In fact, when Jackie, within the last, I'm trying to think, uh, one or two years went into the Canadian Motorsport Hall of Fame, he was unable to attend. He had a commitment or he had a doctor issue or something. He's in good health, I should tell you, but he couldn't make it. So he asked if I would accept the award for him 
we did a lot of Grand Prix in Montreal, mm -hmm. the IndyCar racing, the Bobby Unser when the Toronto Indy was a major event, the Vancouver Indy. I worked so many of those with Bobby Unser. I talked about skiing. I loved horse racing, working with uh, Jim Bannon, uh, the many Queens plates we did. Um, I did baseball. I did a lot of tennis. I worked with Tony Trabert. Uh, I remember a men's tournament down at Skydome in those days. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, hosted, I was able to host curling. I think I didn't really miss anything because when I was hosting Sports Weekend, Sports Weekend uh, was home. We'd get, we'd get the, um, say the Masters. Say CBC was doing the Masters. It would be put on to Sports Weekend. Uh, when we were doing horse racing, it was on Sports Weekend live in Toronto, live in Vancouver. And then when the Breeders' Cup was on from places like Santa Anita, Hollywood Park, uh, uh, you know, K Kentucky Derby, uh, Churchill Downs, uh, Belmont in New York, that was there too. And when mm -hmm. CBS, if we were taking a CBS feed or an NBC feed, when they went to commercial or had a five minute update, I was filling from Toronto, updating Canadian scores, Canadian happenings. So, uh, you know, Sports Weekend was home to events that CBC produced and home to events that CBC picked up uh, from uh, other well, and uh, let's face it, uh, your days in the CBC studio on Jarvis Street um, created one of the most controversial and talked about uh, television events, pure television events, and that was you and Don uh, in Part of Beats, correct? It was in Piastani. In the, uh, Piastani, sorry. Piastani, uh, correct. And myself... Uh, um, we, uh, we disagreed when the, when the brawl broke out and, uh, you know, we argued, but Don and I, as he is with you guys are very close friends today. And, uh, you know, he disagreed with me very strongly, but, uh, later said, you know, I respect somebody that has a strong opinion. And, uh, yeah, I remember that again, a lot of people talked to me about Piastani. Sherry Basson was over there. Uh, I talked to Sherry about it quite often. And, uh, it was, it was really an interesting event. That was a watershed moment, don't you think? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I did World Juniors, not only Piastani, I did them when they were in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I did them when they were in Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah, I believe it was a World Junior, was in Hamilton. I hosted it there. I had done several of them before my, uh, my uh, dust up, <laughs> dust up with my good friend Don Les Cherry. But uh, yeah, it was a watershed moment. Um, you know, I always, try to be honest and, and give my opinion. Uh, Bob, you're a legend for that on radio. Uh, you know, people don't have to agree with you, but they certainly respect the fact that you have a strong opinion. And John, you've always been that way, whether you were, I first met John Shannon, I should tell folks, uh, he was a good news reporter at CFRB. <laughs> that was uh, decades and decades ago, CFRB in Toronto, biggest radio station in the country at the time. Um, would hire broadcasting students and bring them in as good news reporters to do stories in the summer. So that's my first uh, meeting with John. John, of course, you produced hockey at CBC. You were a high executive at CBC Sports. And Bob, I remember when you were at, I believe you were first at CKFH, Foster Hewitt Station, when it was on Young Street, I think on the west side of Young, just north of college. I can remember working with you at the fan in Toronto and uh, you always, uh, you, you had a cerebral show. You had the lawyers on. You just didn't uh, talk to the athletes. You had lawyers from New York if something was going on. You had executives. Uh, it was uh, must-listen radio. Well, thank you for that. 
you didn't answer the question though about the nothing nothing that comes to mind that you would have liked to have covered would no. like to have seen in person but never got a chance to no to see in person maybe a world series i never got to a super bowl never got to a yeah. super bowl oh, really you didn't you haven't missed a thing by the way beg your pardon you haven't missed a thing by not going to one <laughs> the most overrated sporting event to see in person that i've ever been to what i was answering was i i did just about every sport or hosted the coverage of it on sports sure. weekend really answers that question but no i've never been to a super bowl i've been to a lot of gray cups i would say i don't know maybe somewhere near 40 and mm. in olympics so those are what uh, people often talk to me about the the, the the interesting thing you you, you mentioned that you had uh... Uh, you, you did some baseball. Uh, how much, how difficult was the move from being a host to doing play-by-play? -play? Uh, and, and what were the challenges you had there? Well, baseball, I remember the late, great Dick Enberg, who I first met at, uh, in Tokyo when Elvis Stoiko won his first world championship. Dick was doing them for um, NBC. NBC. Yeah. I, I, was there for, I was there for CBC. And I remember Dick saying to me, you know, the toughest job in the world is play-by-play of, uh, of baseball and Dick, of course, uh, did the California Angels for Gene Autry, a great baseball announcer at the end of his career, worked for the San Diego Padres as, uh, as the voice of the Padres. But he said, you have so much downtime and you've got to pick when to go and when to talk. But, uh, you know, it, it was hard, but I enjoyed it, really enjoyed it and uh, was fortunate to do it. So I did the play-by-play -play of, of baseball. We talked earlier about car racing, Formula One, and um, and the indie cars uh, i did a lot of tennis play-by-play -play. canadian open uh, which is now i believe the rogers or it may have changed but it was the rogers after that i did several of those up uh, by york university i did uh, as i say work with tony trabert uh, one winter at sky dome so uh, you know it's uh, it's very different but uh, it all comes down to one thing and that's you do your homework and you be prepared Brian Williams is with us. Um, he has announced his uh, retirement and uh, we'll continue our conversation after these messages. It's McCowan, it's Shannon and Brian Williams is uh, with us, retiring from broadcasting. Now you are retiring, yes? Are you not gonna dabble in it anymore or, or are you? I, I don't know, Bob. Um, you know, I, I felt it's, it's the time for me to go 50 years nonstop and uh, you know, um, friends have told me you're better to go out when you're hope, doing a good job than to say, uh, have people say you stayed way too long. And I, I have a lot I want to do. I was talking to, uh, to one um, athlete who told me, be careful in retirement. You're going to be very, very busy. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? He said, you won't have enough time to do it. I got a good friend that said to me, I don't know how I had a job. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I don't know how I made time for a job as I'm so busy in retirement. But I think the great thing about retirement, and John and, uh, and Bobcat, you both, uh, both understand this, is that broadcasting is a deadline-driven profession. I like deadlines, but you, know, you can't be an hour late. You can't be five seconds late. You got to be right there. You got to be well-prepared. You may don't, you know, only do one show a week but you're spending the other six days preparing, studying, doing history. When I did Olympics, I not only had to know the history of the Olympics and the events, history for Canadians, history for, for athletes from other countries, 
I had to know the history and try and relate the history of the host nation. Whatever country was hosting it, you mm -hmm. want to talk to that country, explain where you are in the country, explain exactly where the country is. So it's, it's all encompassing and uh, it, it, uh, it, it takes a lot of your time. So 50 years and to do it nonstop, I've been both very fortunate and very happy and this was the right time. What, what, what is your observations of the industry right now? Because it's very much uh, uh, for, for every media company, uh, just building, creating content, 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 content. And there's not near the preparation time allowed that there used to be, Brian. How, how, do, you, how do you justify the two differences? I don't know. Every business changes. And, uh, uh, you know, it's exciting to look at all the young broadcasters now. Listen, I remember when the great Don Chevrier, Ernie Afghanis, who's still alive in Edmonton, the late Don Chevrier, the great Don Whitman, nobody, nobody anywhere, NBC, BBC called to track me like, uh, like Don Whitman did, and uh, he and Jeff Gowan, and uh, the late Whitman's call of, uh, of uh, Donovan Bailey or Ben Johnson's race uh, mm -hmm. before, uh, before the uh, cancellation of, of the medal, was uh, was priceless. Uh, these guys are great, but I was the young guy coming along to Ted Reynolds, um, as I say, Ernie Afghanis, Don Whitman, Don Chevrier. And today I see the young broadcasters coming along as I'm older and uh, I'm excited by them. It, it's different. Uh, there's a lot more television uh, coverage and radio, but in particular television of sports. You know, in, in the old days, you had to wait for the weekend. And if you wanted local sports in Toronto, you know, you tuned into Pat Marsden at 20 to 7 or Bill Stevenson on radio, Dave Hodge, you tuned into CBC, CTV. Now, if you want anything on sports, you just turn on TSN, you turn on Rogers, you can turn on TSN's got four or five channels, you can go to ESPN, you can get sports from just about anywhere. And so it's, you know, it, it, it's very different now in, in that sense than, than it used to be. You talked earlier about Sports Weekend on CBC as being kind of the anchor of sports in this country, that if there was an event on, um, it was usually on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. And, it, and you know, the decision was principally made that Sports Weekend would be the host platform for whatever that event was. And it was virtually everything that was on CBC, with the exception of Hockey Night in Canada, I guess. And that <laughs> dissipated over the years. And Sports Weekend essentially disappeared um, yeah. uh, and, and properties were gobbled up by other networks to the point where CBC really has almost no face anymore in sports. So it has gone over our lifetime from the place to go to there's almost nothing there anymore. How do you feel about that? Well, I you know, I, I understand it. It's it's the same with ABC and the ABC wide world of sports, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat with the late great Jim McKay, who I had many opportunities to meet while doing the Olympics. But th there's just so many more stations now doing sports, the all sports networks, whether it's TSN, Rogers, ESPN, Fox in the States. Um, you know, nothing is in, in one place like it used to be. And so, uh, you know, CBC still does the Olympics. Mm -hmm. I haven't done it since 2012, but uh, I've certainly enjoyed watching uh, Scott Russell and CBC do the Olympics. So they still do Olympics. And I was on um, recently, uh, Saturday it was, 
uh, with Brian Stemmel and Scott Russell after the women's downhill. I did a lot of downhill racing over the years. The women's downhill, and I've done races there, was at Lake Louise. And I came on with them after that. And uh, so they still do a lot of amateur sports. Uh, they, they had updates from all over the world and mainly the Olympic sports as we're heading now into the winter Olympics coming up in Beijing. So the, the business has changed in so many ways. There's so much uh, more on the air. Remember in the days you wanted to watch the National Football League? You watch Saturday afternoon. Now you can watch Saturday after, or, su or rather you watch Sunday afternoon. My bad. Right. You can watch Sunday afternoon. You can watch Sunday night. You can watch Monday night. You can watch Thursday night. And how about on the weekends? You know, you got Michigan playing Iowa. You've got Alabama shocking Georgia. To many, it was a shock, not to those that realize what a great coach Nick Saban is. But there's just sports everywhere that you, uh, when you turn on the television set, which uh, was not always the case in the past because uh, a lot of not, or not a lot of stations were doing it. And that's where CBC had most of the sports. ABC had most of the sports in the States, but CBC still does a lot of sports, a lot of amateur sport and uh, a good job in covering it and preparing for Olympic games. When you moved from CBC to CTV, uh, it was national news. It, you, you, were, you were the face of the Olympics on CBC for so many years and for that trustworthy face and voice to move to the private network. How difficult was that for you? It was difficult to leave CBC. I never burned any bridges. I've uh, remained in good terms with them, but it was exciting to go over to CTV TSN with Yvonne Fetsan. Yvonne Fetsan uh, had been my boss locally at CBLT Channel 6 on CBC in Toronto. He then ran the CBC network. He ran CTV when I, when I went over, uh, Rick Brace, who was uh, the director when we did, uh, Rick and I traveled the world doing World Cup skiing, uh, Ken Reed, uh, Rick, myself. Um, Rick was uh, over there too, so I went over to work for Rick and Yvonne, but it was for two Olympics. Uh, when I went over, I think I was, uh, was in my 60s, I'm now 75, I went there in 2006, so uh, you do the math. Um, but I, I went over knowing that if I could get two Olympics, Vancouver and London, two great cities to host the Olympics, uh, they'd probably be the last Olympics I would do. And one of the great excitements and the great attractions of Vancouver guys, Canada was the only country in the world, I mean, think about this, to host two Olympics, Montreal in 76, Winter Games in Calgary in 88, and not win a gold medal. Remember Greg Joy won that uh, oh, yeah. in the high day. in mm -hmm. uh, in all. And of course, it was uh, Liz Manley and uh, Brian Orser, the Battle of the Bryans, uh, Boitano and Orser, both Manley and Orser with silvers. Manley competing with Katarina Witt from Germany. We later went over and did a 20th anniversary show with Katarina. But uh, so Canada was the only country not to win a gold medal in Canadian soil. So going into Vancouver, it was a different attitude. To own the podium, there was, a, there was a confidence. And Canadians, one athlete said, we're no longer showing up just to get a uniform. We're going to do our best and hopefully win. That's a quote from a Canadian athlete. So going into Vancouver, you know, we all thought, who's going to be the first Canadian to win a gold in Canadian soil? And there was tremendous excitement. Well, it turned out to be Alex Bilodeau in freestyle skiing on the first Sunday night. Alex Bilodeau opened the gates and man, the gold medals just flowed through. 
until I think it was number 14 by uh, the golden goal on that Sunday night when Canada beat the United States for the gold medal in men's hockey. And remember, earlier in Salt Lake City, Canada and the United States played for gold in men's hockey. The United States hoping to win on home soil. Canada ruined that for them. Canada winning the gold medal, I think it was the first one in something like 50 years since Oslo, Norway in 1952 when the old Edmonton Mercury's won a gold medal. But so Canada had won on American soil when, uh, when the game went into overtime. I can remember sitting in the studio and talking to James Duffy and the crew down there and wondering, you know, would the, would, uh, the reverse be true in Canada? Would, American, would the Americans win on Canadian soil? They did not. But I can remember and uh, I worked with Paul Harrington, a genius of writing and scripts, but I can remember um, we crafted a piece when we signed off, something to the effect of, for the last weeks, and certainly tonight, a sea of white and red is flowing out coast to coast to coast all over our country from here in Vancouver. And as I've traveled the country since Vancouver, and particularly right after it, I noticed a new confidence that extended well beyond sports. Uh, many of our historical institutions, our healthcare, our banking, whatever, there was a new pride in the way Canadians do things. And a lot of that stemmed from the fact that the, uh, the audiences were so big and so proud and so excited watching that. You know, you talk about that. Um... Uh, and uh, when I talk about things like Olympic moments that I've been involved in, I have a difficult time staying composed. I get, I get really emotional about it. Uh, how do you not get emotional about it? Because you always had some composure on the air. I always try to be composed because you're not a cheerleader. The audience is not stupid. They don't need someone telling them this is great. They're great. Um, Granted, in the Olympics, in many cases, you're dealing with amateurs and not professionals making big money, although there are professionals in the Olympics now, and there have to be. Um, I just always tried to not detach myself, but if you could present it and appear in a non-biased way, the event has more credibility than if you're sitting there as simply a cheerleader. With Brian Williams. Uh, last one from me, I think, although you never know. We're over um, already. See you later. No, <laughs> John. Uh, John Shannon. Don't try, don't try to be funny, Brian. You're not. You're not supposed to be funny. Okay. <laughs> John. We all know John Shannon um, took opportunities in the United States and has worked there off and on over the course of his career. Yep. I had have had numerous opportunities. None of them fit my agenda or weren't to what I was liking, and so I wound up not going. I have to assume that you had plenty of opportunities to go elsewhere, particularly to the U.S. What were you offered and why, didn't, why did you decide not to go? Well, I was never offered anything specific, but I can remember Dick Enberg telling me, he said, you know, you can go to the States and you could do sports in Los Angeles or anywhere. And I knew you'd make a lot of money. But he said, look what you have in Canada, Brian. You do Formula One play-by-play -play with Jackie Stewart. You host the Olympics, you host the Grey Cup, your Super Bowl, you, you know, you do tennis, you do skiing, you do horse racing, the list just goes on and on. So I realized how good we have it here. And I wanted to keep my family, my three daughters, my wife, in one place to grow up with some roots and some history. And uh, there's no better city than Toronto. 
Well, um, I'm not 100% sure we're not going to see you again. I'm, in fact, I'm, well, we're going to see him Sunday, Bob. We're going to see him Sunday in the pregame show. Well, I get that. But okay. beyond that, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty much 100% sure I, we will see you again, that you'll, you'll pop up now and then here and there. You're going to write a book? I don't know. I've been asked many times. I'll have to see what happens right now. I'm just sort of, you know, taking things slowly and, uh, and trying to adjust to this massive change. Well, it'll be interesting to see because I think Shannon and I can both tell you that we have different reactions to being quote unquote retired. Um, it, it has its moments, but it has moments that you don't like so much. And you, I, I, I'm guessing with you, you'll get the itch to do something. It may not be a full-time thing. In fact, it probably won't be, but you'll, you'll, you'll want to do something just to uh, keep busy. I have a lot of people, Bob, come to me and say, you'll be back. You'll be doing this. But yeah. I have, believe it or not, just as many people saying to me, wait, I've been retired. It's great. My father died at just under the age of 102 several years My ago. Goodness. And I can remember going out to Vancouver when he turned 100, out to Victoria, rather, where he was living. And I said, you know, Dad, would you do anything differently? And, you know, and you've lived a uh, hundred years. And he said, yes. And I said, what? He said, I would retire earlier than I did. <laughs> so uh, there are many, many people that are retired and tell me there's nothing like it. I'm not going to sit around and watch television all day or just read books. I'm going to be active. I like gardening. I like going places. I like being with a family. Uh, the, the other night, uh, we went down and looked after our four-year-old grandson as uh, my daughter and her husband were in Buffalo for the Bills and the Patriots, and uh, we spent the night there. So there's, al there's always something to do, and, uh, you know, we worked in a deadline-driven business. And what people tell me about uh, retirement is great is there are no more deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> always <laughs> Clock, you're not timing everything. You're not prepared. Am I neat? Is my hair combed? <laughs> Am I losing my hair, which I'm losing a lot? Um, so you know, it, it's something I'm I'm really looking forward to. Well, this isn't a question. This is a statement. Um, there's, there's lots of people that we work with in this industry uh, that uh, do their job and go home. You were one of those people that did their did their job and didn't go home. Is you you used your platform to help a lot of charities, to help a lot of people. Uh, I know your hospital is important to you, very, very important to you, Brian. And I, I, for, on behalf of all of us across the country, uh, you should be thanked for everything you did beyond sports uh, in, in giving back to uh, what makes the greatest country in the world. John, I've been fortunate to be on the board of directors of uh, Ronald McDonald's Charities, the Tim Hortons Children's Foundation, North York General Hospital for people in Toronto that know it, not far from where I live. So you know, I've been, been fortunate to, uh, to use what platform I had or platforms, and uh, it wasn't necessarily trying to give back. It was just uh, a chance maybe to use your influence and uh, move things in the right direction. Well, we have no influence, but uh, that little button on your lapel tells you you're a member of the Order of Canada, which means that uh, somebody thought you were important and you should also be in the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. Well, I'm very grateful for that, and I say thank you to both of you. Uh, we congratulate you on your career. We wish you uh, well in retirement, however long it lasts. And uh, 
or I, listen, or however long I last. I hope it lasts a long time, and I hope I last a long time. And uh, as, as I said earlier, when Dick Smythe signed me to a 50-year or signed me to a contract in September of 1970, if he told me I was going to work 50 years, I would have said, work. Heck, I just want to be alive for another 50 years. Yeah, so, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. You Congratulations. Bob? Thank you. Thank and you. And we thank you for taking a few minutes for us today. And This uh, was my We'll, uh, we'll chat down the road, I'm quite sure. We will Brian Williams, back after these messages. Bob McCown, John Shannon, back with you. Well, I lost well, the bet. You, yeah, you owe me money. Uh, I lost the bet. Well, I don't believe there was money involved. No. It's personal yeah, pride. A, you know, it's funny. Brian is, uh, Brian is such a meticulous person. And I say that in, as a compliment, uh, that he has, I'm sure... Uh, done so many interviews since the announcement that uh, his answers are so particular and he's 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 one of those people that pounces on every word every time and he did it when he was on the air he did it when he was on the air constantly he would rehearse he would work hard uh, I never worked directly with him as we talked about in the opening but I was around Brian a lot and behind the scenes sitting in a in a chair in the corner of a studio and Brian would literally, um, and I, I, I practice his ad libs, practice his ad libs. Oh, really? In, oh, yeah. In order to, in order to be perfect, perfect on the air, and that—that's the one thing uh, that I think when you when you think of Brian as a broadcaster, is he was such a perfectionist, such a perfectionist, and that's why I think that's why he endeared himself to so many Canadians for so long. Well, he had the platform uh, to be able to do that. Sure did. I mean, he sure was. Um, well, he delivered too. You can have the platform, Bob. Oh, you, as no, you well know. Right. Well, look, I think it goes without saying you don't last 50 years in the business, yeah. especially with a platform as prestigious as the one he had, if you don't do a good job. And he was, um, you know, impeccably good at what he did. Yeah. It, and he it, had, it was huge news when he moved from the networks. Oh, I, I remember it very well. I mean, yeah. Gosh, it was, I mean, there was two times it happened in my lifetime. And you would remember this when Lloyd Robertson moved from well, CBC, CBC went to, to CTV, yep. CTV, because they were trying to put rules and regulations into what an anchor could do at the CBC because of unionization. And he got an opportunity to do it a little more reporting and a little more anchoring and writing uh, at CTV. And then when Brian moved, when Brian moved over in, as he said, 2006, that to me was, that was, that was huge news, huge news in, in the circles that we travel in, but also I think for the, yeah. the regular viewer. But the truth is that Brian's profile on CTV never came close to matching his profile while he was at CBC. No. And, and why do you, do you think that was not well, necessarily they didn't have a because show. of the, they didn't have a show well, that was on every week where he was the focus of yeah. attention. You know, he would yeah. go to events. He would go to the Great Cup. He would appear on football games and other things that CTV carried. But he didn't have, he wasn't there every Saturday or Sunday, you know? That's right. That's a good point. But it also, it, it, it also spoke of the time, because when you asked him, uh, you know, the CBC not getting, doing as much sports as they once did, um, a lot of it coincided when Brian left. Or in spite of Brian leaving, one or the other, and and but it also it's where the it's where the business of 
of television sports went, right? We all went to specialty channels. We all moved. Look what's happened to even to hockey. It's gone to specialty channels. And, and really now the CBC just carries a Rogers show. Uh, the world has changed dramatically in the last 20 years from that perspective. Well, look, my recollection was that CBC was already losing rights and other places were taking those rights. TSN was, mm-hmm. um, CTV was. And I think Brian came to the realization when there was an opportunity to go that CBC had essentially thrown up their hands and said, we can't compete with these private networks for all these rights. And that they determined they were going to hold on to hockey and not much else. CFL football went, curling went, baseball went. Um, you probably go down the list. NFL football used to be there. It, it, it left. And I think Brian yeah. probably saw that happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it does. It does speak, and and I do think that there was a a, a real shift in mandate uh, at the corporation uh, to say um, why are why should we be in sports? Why should we be doing that um, when others could do it? And our mandate should be providing more more and different content to more different parts of our of Canadian society. And that's what the mandate of the CBC, a public broadcaster, is. Right to do a little bit of everything for everyone, as opposed to people in professional sports. Well, I did have the opportunity to work at CBC Sports for a ver- television for a very, very brief period of time. I know. You, where's the jacket? Uh, somewhere, the orange jacket <laughs> with the no, ex- melon. Me- it's not orange. It's melon. Melon depends on your melon. I, I have. I think there's a melon at the grocery store right now that I don't have. That is not the same <laughs> color as that jacket, and it's ripe. Uh, it's pretty orange. I got news for you. Uh, no, we well, we used to, of course. I came from the world of wearing the baby blue jacket, right? So you had the baby, the, uh, and, the and, hockey night Canada what, jacket, yeah. Hockey night Canada. You know, you, you you talked about it briefly that there was, you know, there was CBC Sports, and then there was hockey night in Canada. I can tell you, there was a rivalry. Oh it God, I was, know that. Yeah, it was, and it was vicious, vicious. Yep. When I start, when I started at the CBC doing games in the late seventies, early eighties, nobody at CBC Sports wanted anything to do with us, and we would look our noses down at them. So it was, it was a. There were two different classes of people in the, within doing sports at, uh, on the corporation at that point. It was hilarious. Well. Um, we could tell, we could go on and tell stories about, um, things that we might one day we might, or maybe we won't, (laughs) uh, in any event, uh, our thanks to Brian Williams, congratulations on a, um, uh, a brilliant 50 year career. And, um, if he stays retired, I'll be shocked. Uh, that'll do it for us. We'll uh, find somebody else to drag in tomorrow. We thank you for watching or listening as the case may be, whether it's on the podcast or on Sirius XM for John Shannon, Bob McCowan. See you tomorrow.